Now, if you can remember last Tuesday night, I said uh, that the uh, story of Elijah revolves around two God-given commands. Uh, the first command is there in verse uh, 3 of chapter 17, Get thee hence, and hide thyself. For, if you like, go hide thyself. And then the second command is found there in chapter 18, verse 1, Go show thyself. So these two commands are clear. Go hide thyself. Go show thyself. And I did say that we have in these two commands the, the private ministry of Elijah and then the public ministry of Elijah. And it's clear that he stood before God before he appeared in the presence of the king to stand before Ahab. So you have the uh, private ministry first, and then you have the public ministry. And uh, over in James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, we discover that the drought that came upon the land of Israel at that time was a result of the prayers offered by Elijah. Because he prayed that it might not rain, and then he also prayed that it might rain. He was a man who prayed a drought upon the land and then a man who prayed for rain to come. That's a man of prayer. He had power in his praying as he sought the face of God. So you have the private aspect again, his praying part. And then you have the public part. He goes into the presence of King Ahab and he declares the judgment of God. So you see the combination here, the private part, the praying part behind the scenes standing before God, and then there's the public aspect. He stands before the king. He's preaching the word. He's bringing the message of God. He's fearless. He's courageous. He is doing a great work for God. Now, we read in the verses 2 and 3, Then the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Hide thyself by the brook Kareth. And the brook is mentioned uh, five times in these uh, opening seven verses of the chapter. So he's told to do something. And uh, last week we dealt with the first point. Elijah is directed to the brook. It was a very specific word, turn the eastward. There's the direction. Hide thyself by the brook. Careth not any brook, this particular brook, which is beyond Jordan, just to make sure that he knew exactly the right location beyond Jordan. There may have been other brooks by that name, and God was making it very, very clear. And the, the point I emphasized is that whenever God speaks, he expects to be obeyed. That's, that's very basic. That's the ABCs of the Christian life. And I also said that because of this, Elijah became the hidden one, a picture of every child of God, because the Bible does say that our life is hid with Christ and God. So we're, we're talking about this hidden one and uh, God led him and God directed him to the brook. Okay, enough has been said about that. We need to move on because I have three other points I want to highlight and draw to your attention tonight. So Elijah is directed to the brook. And then in the second place, Elijah is dwelling by the brook. Notice what it says there in verse 7. He went and dwelt by the brook according to the word of the Lord. Or it could be read, he went and lived by the brook. So he was led by the word, or I suppose if we were using terms today, we would say he was led by the book. 
And then he was located by the water because God told him to go to a brook. So we have this little reminder before us, led by the word, by the book. Then he was located by the water or by the brook where he may lead me. I will go, for I have learned to trust him. So that's the theme of the message, where he may lead me. I will go, part two. Now, it's one thing to go camping for a weekend. I never was much a favorite of going camping. I didn't like the hassle of trying to get a tent erected. I tried it once. I really didn't make a great success of doing that, and it put me off forever. It's one thing to go camping for a weekend for those who like the outdoor life, or even to spend maybe a week backpacking in a wilderness. It's a different thing to go to live all alone in that kind of environment for about a year. So God came and he said to Elijah, go and settle there. I want you to settle down there. Now, he didn't take suitcases with him. He didn't take a camel load of provisions. He didn't take a lot of food with him. It wouldn't have lasted anyway. So he just set out trusting God to meet his every need. And uh, he was going to be there in that hotel by the River Jordan and that brook for almost a year. Whether in public life or private life, in a palace, as in the case of appearing before Ahab, or by a brook, he was ready to serve God. Didn't matter where it was. Where he may lead me, I will go, for I've learned to trust him. So whether in the spotlight or in the seclusion, he was satisfied to be where God wanted him to be. And the question I want to ask you right now before God, are you in the place where God wants you to be? God promised to bless him there. Go there. I will feed you there. I will meet you there. I will provide for you there. And so as he went there, then he could depend upon God to meet his every need. Now, Kareth was a place of separation. I mentioned this last week that the name Kareth means uh, cut off. And when I discovered that, I thought about Matthew chapter 6 and the teaching that the Lord gave to his disciples about prayer. Enter into the closet. Now, the closet in a Jewish home would have been an inner closet, a small place, maybe even on the rooftop. Remember uh, Peter there in Acts chapter 10. Uh, he went up at noontime there at, uh, uh, to the top of the roof, maybe to get a, a, a breeze from the Mediterranean Sea. That was his closet. That was his place uh, to meet and fellowship with God. So really, the Lord sent them here to this place of separation uh, so that he would shut out everything and everyone else, so that he would not be distracted. God was dealing with him in mercy and grace. God had a purpose for him. God had a plan for him. He was pruning him. He was testing him. He was proving him. He had a greater work for him to do. And so here, God gets him into this place of separation. It was also a place of seclusion because he was there alone with God for a prolonged period of time. So he was directed from the place of contending, the king's palace, to a place of contentment. He turned from public, uh, the public place of speaking for God to a private place of speaking with God. And sometimes God wants us to speak for him, and other times he wants us to speak with him. And tonight in the time of prayer, we want to speak with him. God wants you to speak with him. 
and draw near to him and enjoy his presence and his power. Let me ask you at this point again another question. I'm asking a lot of the questions here. Have you had a time of meeting with him today already? Have you talked with him during the course of this day? Kerith was a secluded place, but it was also a safe place because he was a wanted man. He was on the run, you see. He, he had to flee from Jezebel, uh, the painted woman. And uh, his life was in danger. And so God, in his wisdom, gets him out of the arena, the public arena, puts him into a place of safety. And he says, uh, I suppose we could say it was a safe house, if you like. A safe house by the brook Kerith. I wonder what kind of a shelter did he, did he erect? Some kind of a shelter there? Was he out in open air? Of course, there was no rain, so no problem there. But did he provide himself a little shelter? I don't know for sure. But God had him in a safe place. And I mentioned earlier at the very start that the word brook is mentioned five times. And this is something you've heard me mention before. And no doubt you'll hear it many times again. Five in the Bible is a number of grace. It was God's gracious provision for him. For where God guides, God provides. That's what Elijah discovered. And uh, he was a great man of God. We may not be great as he was great, but the same lesson applies where he guides, he provides. That's something we have confidence in. I can prove that. I can testify to this fact. That is absolutely true. And then it was also a place, a place of supply for bread and flesh were delivered to him. Uh, we have neighbors, and uh, maybe once or twice a week, the Tesco van appears at their front door. They're getting special home delivery. Sometimes the Sainsbury's van can be seen in the estate as well, and they're bringing groceries. People must eat a lot of stuff to get a van to deliver it to the front door. So we have this man, and he had a special home delivery service, free of charge. I don't know if Tesco's deliver free of charge or Sainsbury's, or you have to have, buy so many uh, groceries or whatever. But this was free of charge. That would have suited the bill. I mean, a man right down to the ground. And the provision was bread and flesh. So he had the bread. He had the, the, the flesh. And uh, he needed something then, of course, to wash it down. Uh, if you go out for a meal, the ladies were, will go soon to uh, the, the lodge hotel. Maybe they should ask the minister to go along just to supervise things there. And he would keep an eye. And he would make sure that the ladies would eat enough and enjoy themselves and get their money's worth. So you have the meal, you have the steak, you have the potatoes, you have the vegetables, and every so often you reach out for the glass of water or the glass of Coke or whatever you're drinking, and you take a drink, well, you wash it down. You eat, and then you need the glass, the liquid, to wash it down. And so here we see God in his mercy and his grace. Uh, he... Uh, he provided him with the bread and the flesh, and then he drank from a brook. So they're really a three-course meal, we could say. Bread, flesh, and water, something he wash it down. It wasn't a prisoner's meal, uh, which usually consisted of bread and water, but a prophet's meal, because it consisted of bread and flesh and water. He was better off than the hundred uh, uh, prophets fed by Obadiah and the cave. They only had a two-course meal bread and water. And there, there was the, the natural supply, water from the brook. It's interesting that Elijah was supernaturally fed on three different occasions. He was fed by the ravens. He was fed in a supernatural way 
uh, in the widow's home, and then the angel also came and fed him. So here's a man who was fed supernaturally on three different occasions. So Elijah is directed to the brook. He gets there, and then he's dwelling by the brook. He stays there, and then Elijah is drinking from the brook. It says here in verse 6, he drank of the brook. Now, the brook was a place of refreshment in the time of drought. Uh, And he received internal and external benefit from the water from the brook. It kept him healthy on the inside. There was no possibility of him dehydrating. Uh, We discovered this many times in America, people from Northern Ireland, uh, they come and you emphasize to them, now because of the heat and the sun here, you're going to sweat a lot and you need to drink plenty of water. Uh, People say, I'll substitute uh, Diet Coke for water. That's a bad, bad mistake. Uh, Some people did do that. They didn't drink water. They uh, drank away the Diet Coke and they ended up in their hotel room for the rest of their vacation and they missed out. You've got to drink water so that you you will not dehydrate. So here he had uh, the internal benefit, the water to refresh him so that he would not dehydrate. And then he had the external benefit. He was able to wash himself and keep himself clean. Do you see this? Now it's important. So he's been taken care of on the inside and he's been taken care externally as well as he drank from the water and he washed himself and kept himself clean. I mentioned this before. A sieve holds no water, but it keeps, the water keeps it clean. And that's what was happening, I suppose we could say spiritually. He was being kept clean internally and externally by the water provided in the brook. The difference, uh, Christ is here because Christ is the source of refreshment to his people. And the difference being, he never dries up. This well dried up, but Christ who is our well, who is the water of life, never dries up. And you will notice that it was available, but he had to draw from it. The brook was there, and he could have sat there and watched the water in the brook flowing past. But he had to arise, and he had to go to the brook. He had to draw the water from that particular brook. And we have before us a well of water, living water. And it's our responsibility each day to open the book, to go to the book, to draw water from the well for the refreshment of our souls, to keep us right internally and to keep us right externally, if you like, to keep us clean. In Exodus chapter 16, the Lord gave manna from heaven, supernatural bread. Then in the very next chapter, isn't it interesting that following on from the bread been given, God gave water from a rock. It's the same idea. You eat manna. You drink from a rock. But the people had to eat and drink daily. And the same thing is found in the New Testament in John chapter 6. Christ preached a sermon on the bread of life after he had fed the 5,000. And then in chapter 7 he said, I am the water of life. The time is significant because the, the provisions were brought morning and evening. That would have been the time when the sacrifices and the offerings were offered up in the land of Israel. And God today meets the needs of his people through the work of the cross, through the work of Christ. In those times, he met the need of God's servant with the water and with the bread, with the flesh and so on. 
But for us as the people of God, he meets our needs through the work of the cross. Spurgeon called his daily devotional morning and evening. It was food for thought uh, for each day. And so let us apply this spiritually. We need food for thought every day from this book that God and grace has given to us. If you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. And if you're discouraged, look up for the ravens are coming. So there's the water I drink from there. There's the meat that God provides for me. I look up every day and I can see the ravens are coming. I'm reminded that God is faithful. God never forgets his servants. Remember, Isaac is out there in the field meditating at evening time. He's waiting for someone to come. He's waiting for Abraham's servant to bring him a wife. And there he's out in the evening time. He's also at a well, the Heroi. And uh, the Bible does say that Isaac looked up and he saw the camels coming. He saw the camels coming. Oh, when Elijah looked up, he could see the ravens coming. God is going to meet my need again today. Isaac saw the camels coming. That was a token of answer to prayer because on the camel, one of those camels, there was the wife that God had promised to him. God had answered his prayer. God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer in the evening time. God is on the throne and he remembers his people. Oh, Hagar, she was out in the wilderness. She had a well close by, but she couldn't even see it. She didn't see it until her eyes were opened. Uh, May God open her eyes to see what we have in this precious uh, word. So if you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, uh, drink. And if you're discouraged, look up, because the ravens are coming. And you will notice that it was a balanced diet. There needs to be a balance in our spiritual lives. You can see that for yourself. I don't intend to develop that, but Acts chapter 6, it's the word in prayer. In the word God speaks to us in prayer, we speak to him. There's this balance. It's got to be maintained. And God provided for him in a supernatural way and also in a natural way. The birds provided the supernatural supply and the brook provided the natural supply. And sometimes that's the way it is with God. He just says, use something that's natural. He provides in this way. And then at different times, when we are poor and needy and need something divine, an intervention from God, then he can supernaturally work to bring relief to us. So God works naturally Uh, Use the things available to us to help us uh, to remedy a situation under God. And then other times when we can't do anything, he supernaturally provides and undertakes for us in a very special way. The first time water is mentioned in the Bible is in uh, the book of Genesis chapter 1 and those verses there. The final time uh, water is mentioned is Revelation chapter 22, 17. And all the way in between, he keeps the water flowing. You see that? All the way through the Old and New Testaments, the water is still flowing there. Oh, what a wonderful thought we have here. God has provided refreshment for his people from the first chapter of their experience with him until the last chapter concludes. And we just get ready to be launched into the presence of the Christ, of the cross. And all the way through, the water keeps flowing. The woman of Samaria she made a discovery about Jacob's well. She said, the well is deep, and our well is deep. Our well is deep, and we can truly say, great is thy faithfulness. 
So Elijah is directed to the brook. Elijah is dwelling by the brook. Elijah is drinking from the brook. And then finally, Elijah is departing from the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. And sometimes we are as dry as the brook. Uh, We are as empty as the garden tomb. We are as barren, barren as the fig tree, as lifeless as Lazarus in the grave, as powerless as Samson, shorn as blind as Bartimaeus. Sometimes that's the way it is in our experience. And then it says, and it came to pass after a while, verse 7. Now in the margin of my Bible, it is at the end of days. A similar thing is brought to attention in Genesis 4, verse 3, in the process of time. At the end of days, uh, that may refer in Genesis to the end of the week. You know, Lightfoot understood it to mean after a year. So I, I'm sticking with that. I think that Elijah was by the brook for about a year. And then we read the word of the Lord came unto him saying, verse 8. The word moved him there. And now the word moved him on from there. Are you moving on with God? He's taking a step at a time. Where he may lead me, I will go, for I learned to trust him. So when the brook dried up, God commanded Elijah to move to Zarephath. Now, surely God could have continued to meet his need there at Kareth. Of course he could. The God who made enough water to gush forth out of the rock to quench the thirst of a multitude could certainly have provided water for one prophet. But the drying brook was God's way of letting Elijah know it was time for him to go to the next place, to the next phase of his hiding. He's not going to be by the brook all of the time for the three years period of time. It was time to move. And the Bible says in verse 10, he arose and went. And Warren Wearsby said that it simply meant that God had another place for him And it was a reminder for Elijah to trust the Lord, not the brook. Sometimes we trust in the brook more than we trust in the Lord. Well, Elijah was taught that you need to trust me, not the water in the brook or anything else or the ravens. You've got to trust in me. And that's the lesson that that we need to learn. We can't put our confidence in men. We can, but at the end of the day, our hope is in the Lord. When he delivered the message God gave him, the Lord told him what to do next. So when he delivered his message, then God spoke to him again and led him on to another aspect of his ministry. And when he'd gone to Kareth, God told him to do something else. Now, at his thought, I, I could be wrong, but it's very possible that the drought had been uh, going for about six months before Elijah appeared in Ahab's court to proclaim that it would last for another three years. Luke 4.25 tells us that it lasted three and a half years. Uh, Elijah was therefore out of circulation for approximately three years because if the drought had been in place before he appeared in the presence of Ahab six months and then for three full years, he would have been out of circulation. He did not spend all of that time by the brook. Maybe a year, I think, that that would be a bit right. It would seem that he was at Sarephath for two years, for he had companionship. The first year, he had no companionship. He was all alone. And then for the next two years, he did have companionship. 
the widow and her son. And sometimes there, there, there are times when we need to be alone. And then there are times when we need human companionship and God had the balance right, you see. It's not a good thing to be alone all of the time. Uh, but it's a good thing to be alone some of the time. And it's always good to have companionship and fellowship and friendship with the people of God. Don't, don't be get isolated. You need to have this kind of, of balance. And it would have seemed that he was there in Zarephath for two years. In the third year, chapter 18, verse 1. Arise, go to Zarephath, verse 9. 80, 90 miles on foot, enemy territory. He was in for a surprise. A big surprise. And that is why the word behold appears a couple of times in verses 9 and 10. Behold, I have commanded a woman there. Verse 9. That's a surprise. Uh, you may have thought, well, it would be good to get into the house of a princess or a wealthy man or a wealthy woman, but I've commanded a widow woman there. In verse uh, 10, behold, a widow woman was there when he arrived at the gate of the city. Behold, here's a surprise. Uh, and she said to him, after he asked for something to be cooked for him, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and, and a barrel and a little cruise of oil. That's not very promising. But God's in the thing, you see. God has something else for a servant to, to prove and something else to enjoy. So there's the word from the Lord. There's the water from the brook. And here's the widow in her house. This is how God met the need, you see. How God led him. How God guided him. And in this way, God sustained him. I, I just picked up a little Danish proverb before coming to church. It says, pray in the storm, but keep rowing. Maybe when Elijah was not fully understanding what was going on, he didn't give up. During that time when he was a wanted man, he didn't get frustrated. He kept on going on, rowing away, praying away, serving God. God got him to the place there. And then when God had somewhere else for him to move on to, to be a blessing to other people, how he was blessed himself. But then God says, I'm going to share my blessing, the blessing that I have bestowed upon you. I'm going to share that with other people through you. And when God blesses us, he blesses us to make us a blessing. That's the purpose of the blessing. It's not for us to keep it to ourselves. No, he wants to bless us to make us a blessing, to share what the Lord bestows upon us with others who need that blessing too. So don't forget Elijah. Where he may lead me, I will go. Elijah is directed to the brook. Elijah is dwelling by the brook. He's drinking from the brook. And then he's departing from the brook because God has somewhere else for him to minister for the Lord. May God bless his word and do us good. Let's bow for prayer. And let us seek the Lord's face again. I wonder would uh, our brother John O'Neill maybe lead us in prayer tonight? And then as many as possible, feel free to join in after a brother has prayed. Keep the prayer meeting alive tonight and uh, keep our prayer short. If you need to pray twice, do so. I say that often. I mean it. And let's they hold upon God. Our brother John, thank you.